Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Toronto, Canada. Today is Wednesday, March the 25th, 2020. We are reading from the big book, and we are at page 99, second paragraph, If There Be Divorce. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Lou B., 12 Traditions, Esther F., and readers of the text, Tina S., Barbara E., and Leon B. The share ID for Tuesday, March the 24th, the 7 a.m. meeting is 14300, and the 10 a.m. meeting, 14302. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lou B. to read the 12 steps. Please go ahead, Lou. Press star one to unmute. Thank you. <laughs> uh, okay, so this is Lou B. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Texas, and thank you for your service. Here are the steps we took, which were suggested as a program of recovery. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 
and 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Lou B. And Esther F. will read the 12 traditions. Please go ahead, Esther. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The traditions, the 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther F. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We are on page 99, the second paragraph, if there be divorce or separation. And Tina S., would you start reading for us, please? Thanks so much, Lynn. Uh, Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. If there be divorce or separation, there should be no undue haste for the couple to get together. The man should be sure of his recovery. The wife should fully understand his new way of life. If their old relationship is to be resumed, it must be on a better basis, since the former did not work. This means a new attitude and spirit all around. 
sometimes it is the, to the best interest of all concerned that a couple remain apart. Obviously, no rule can be laid out. Let the alcoholic continue his program day by day. When the time for living together has come, it will be apparent to both parties. Well, what a great paragraph. You know, and initially when I... Uh, would read this paragraph, I thought, well, you know, it really doesn't apply. When I came in, I wasn't with anybody. And, and that's not, not the truth. When I first came to Overeaters Anonymous in 1987, I was in a relationship, and I went to a treatment center and got, a, got the food plan, got the big book and all this kind of stuff. And when I got out, you know, as the alcoholic compulsive eater that I am, you know, nothing had changed in me except for that I started eating on a food plan. And I still was the same old person in that same relationship and and my partner wanted this for me more than I wanted it you know so the responsibility I put on her and you know not that she wasn't supportive but again you know looking back that was many years ago almost over 30 uh, you know it was you know she was I I drained her that was just my personality at, at that phase of my life and you know and so I I I didn't stay abstinent for a long period of time. And then when I came back in, I wasn't in a relationship, which is the good news, which is the good news because it talks about let the alcoholic, um, you know, um, do his program day by day, day by day. And, and what happened when I, when I came back in, you know, I, I was ready. I was ready to be led through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous to be, um, to be clean from the food and be taken to a place beyond my wildest dreams and to have a transformation. And, you know, I, and I had people in my life that were supportive. I, I like that it talks about that. You know, my family was supportive, you know, and so I had those people around me where I had to do the deal. You know, I was a responsible person to, to go through the steps, to follow direction which you know uh, I'm not real good at still cannot be today but that's what it takes and you know uh, and I love that it also talks about if you know the time for them for the, the couple to get back together it will be apparent to both parties you know and uh, and I think that has been um, you know over time and in, in my relationship in recovery you know when things are stressful in a relationship you know I concentrate on my stuff and then when it's time to, for it all to come together, that happens. That happens in God's time and not mine. And um, I, I really love to hear what's, uh, what everyone else has to share about this paragraph. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Tina S. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. I'd like to encourage those who haven't shared in the last few days to take this opportunity. Please say your name just once as it helps me hear everyone. Who would like to share? Chuck K. from Georgia. Colleen M. from Maryland. Colleen M. Okay, I I heard Chuck K., Larry C., Barbara E. Okay, let me tell you who I got because I did miss two people who had said their names earlier. I had Chuck K., Larry K., Shelly C.R. and Barbara E. I missed somebody from Maryland, I believe. Colleen M. Okay, and I can take one more, please. Jason K. Perfect. Thank you, everybody. I have our lineup. So we have Chuck K., Larry K., Shelly C.R., Barbara E., Colleen M., and Jason K. Chuck K, could you go ahead, please? Hey, this is Chuck from 
George. I'm a compulsive overeater. And boy, oh boy, this is a this is a very interesting paragraph for me to read. I am someone who is still relatively young, but I've been married 29 years. And if there is a person that I have harmed in that 29 years of 25 of which were in compulsive eating, undiagnosed, untreated, it was my wife. And there is a part in the big book that speaks to those alcoholics who feel fortunate that their wives have patients. And I'm certainly one of those people. Um, as I did my amends, my first thought, the first time my first thought reminded me that it really doesn't matter what I say to my wife uh, because it's going to be the living amends where the rubber meets the road, and I found that to be true. So the fact of the matter is, for many, many years, I'm the type of person that would manipulate, lie, and bulldoze, and bully anything I could do to get my way in my relationship with what I wanted. And I would say I'm sorry, but I would continue the behavior. And uh, there's a question I have to ask myself every night nowadays, and that's have I been kind and loving to all. And I still find that I lack there. But the steps give me another choice. The next day I can go into that day as it relates to my wife. Am I being kind and loving to her? That is a very important question that I have to face every day. And you know what? The steps help me by allowing God into that to make me understand that it's not enough just to not do the things that she says she doesn't like me to do, even if I think they're funny. It means I need to be kind and loving to her every day. Now, if I can take life on that footing in our relationship, then I'm doing a really good job at it, and I will experience the consequences of that behavior. And if I don't, then I have a whole other set of consequences, and my poor wife does too. And the other thing that I remember is I was told that I have about 25 years of, not abuse, but just abuse, I guess you would call it that, although I was never, you know, bad or whatever, just a normal relationship. But I have another 25 or really the rest of my life to make up for that. So at least I'm aware of it. At least I know what I can do about it. And at least I can let God in. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chuck K. Larry K., it's your turn, followed by Shelly C.R. Please go ahead, Larry. Good, good morning, Lynn. Thanks so much for, for your service. I'm Larry K., uh, recovered in Chicago. You know, um, when I think about these paragraphs, these 12 steps have helped me to learn that we can transform frustration with patience. And, you know, I can remember with with regard to relationships, um, oftentimes feeling victimized where the rug seemed to be pulled out from under me and I wanted to try to force an outcome. You know, for me, recovery, these 12 steps is about dropping the title of author. I get out of the, you know, the script writing uh, business here, and it's about accepting circumstances as they are. And the big book here reminds me, actually reminds me again and again that we're no longer running the show. And our impatience, our unwillingness to just sit with circumstances that we don't like 
is more evidence of, you know, our desire to shape and mold the world according to our desires. And frustration is not the key to any door. You know, patience is my, my spiritual practice. Surrender is not being passive. Rather, it's, it's a mindset of trust that the ultimate author, you know, this author, my, my creator, can change my very perceptive lens in which I see the world. See, patience doesn't mean passivity or resignation, right? It's actually power. Patience is power. What power? Access to God's power. He's running the show. And I couldn't imagine a life without binge foods at a time. That's what my perceptive lens told me. Did, did, did my perception of binge, binge foods change? Indeed, God changed them. He changed my brain so that I no longer want them, amazingly. And we're, we're, I'm easily able to avoid them without being, you know, and I could still be comfortable in my own skin. And in the same respect, the, the paragraph is letting us know that we might be foolish in our haste to get some outcome in a particular time frame. And so, you know, a good sponsor will guide us and say, whoa, whoa, boy, you know, back off here and let's relax. With that, I pass. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you, Larry Kay. Shelly C.R., it's your turn, followed by Barbara E. Please go ahead, Shelly. Good morning, Visionaries. This is Shelly C.R. from Minnesota. Um, thank you so much for your service, first off. Um, this paragraph is, it reminds me of two things. It's too full for me. Um, so I came into program when I was married to my husband um, previously, and we're divorced now. Um, and, you know, I made certain changes within the program, and I got to a different place, and, and our relationship continued for a number of years um, because of my program for me on my side of things. Um, and then at the various things happened, we ended up getting divorced. Um, but in order for me to be in relationship with my wife now, I, you know, used those things that I learned through program then, and now getting back in the program in the last year and a half, it is something that um, has completely changed how I am with her. And like I, I'm, I know 100% in my heart of hearts that there would have been no way that she, while there might have been an initial attraction, there would have been no way that she would have stayed with me had I been in the same place that I was at previously prior to any program um i found that you know my wife she is a really healthy person she doesn't struggle with this compulsive overeating like i do um and so i wouldn't have been able to be with someone like that she wouldn't have been she wouldn't have been stuck around at all um so this paragraph just gives me a lot of hope and i know that from my own experience more that i focused on what the big book tells me, what I hear from others on the line, um, when I connect with my higher power, you know, letting go and letting my higher power take control. I know that um, that life is different in relationship, that I can be in relationship with my wife in a positive way because, as it mentions here, the former did not work. I was a really harsh person and that still comes out at times, but not nearly as much. And it's something that I'm talking to my higher power about regularly. And my higher power is working on 
I can't do the work, but I found even in the, like these days of us being sheltered at home, um, you know, I, she works shift work. And so she's gone every third day usually. And in the past when I've been in the food, um, when that, if that hasn't happened where she's been sick or whatever, it hasn't gone to work. It's like, we were at each other's throats and I played a huge role in that. Right. I pick fights. And now we've been enjoying each other's company. We've been around each other for the last, I don't know, it's been like 10 days now or something. Time, please. It's lovely. And so I really appreciate this. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Shelly CR. Barbara E., it's your turn, followed by Colleen M. Please go ahead, Barbara. Thank you, my brothers and sisters. First of all, it's not my place as a sponsor to give anyone marital advice to tell someone what they should do. It's not my place to tell someone their marriage sucks. It's for them to decide. Plus, you only know so many details about the whole situation. Even if one person behaves poorly, marriage problems are created by two people, so blame cannot be put on one person. Keep the conversation focused on how your sponsee is feeling and focus on letting them vent. By doing this, they will, this will help you avoid sharing your opinions, especially ones that judge a person's spouse. Certainly, I say I know what it's like to be down on a relationship. You're not alone. I'm so sorry you're going through this. But... For me, at least, there are boundaries. I offer love and encouragement and then direct them to a place that is better suited to help them, the clergy if they're religious, as they can give them some help or guidance on how to proceed emotionally and spiritually. There are also support groups and therapists who, by definition, are there to help people work through their problems. They teach their clients skills that will help them learn how to deal with their issues. But remember, we've made it clear from the very start that we are not their therapists. If we forget that, it's a treacherous road we walk. Keep our focus on our real, our real issues to recover from a seemingly hopeless disease that wants to kill us or at least make us suffer. We are all flawed, narcissistic, doing our best. It is never too late to change the ending of our story. When we focus on what needs to change in us, others begin to change around us. Slowly and surely, we do need to have patience and wait for the miracle. We will begin to see the world through different vivid colored lenses. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. Colleen M., it's your turn, followed by Jason K. Please go ahead, Colleen. Hi, everyone. This is Colleen M. from Maryland. Can I be heard? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everyone doing service today. So um, I just wanted to, uh, you know, I've, I've been divorced from my first husband for 25 years now, and unfortunately, I would like to say that it was a, um, you know, that I followed this paragraph's uh, instructions and that, um, you know, it was a smooth transition and it was anything but that. And, uh, 
you know, it, I was in recovery <clears throat> at the time that we separated, and um, I made a lot of mistakes. And it wasn't until I put the food down this second time, which has been almost three years ago, that I was able to heal the rest. You know, I some some relationships just take longer to to heal. I guess whatever whatever uh, damage has been done, and I really was able to this time around in this this stage of my recovery to see my part, which I really had a hard time with. Um, I was the person who looked really good on the outside. I was doing all of what, you know, quotation, the right things, and he was the bad guy. And I, I chewed on that for many, many years and shared that with as many people that would listen. And, you know, it does, did a lot of damage to my children. I'm just so grateful today that uh, my relationship with my ex-husband is, um, you know, has has gone full circle, um, and I can see him as a loving. I'm grateful for the fact that he's the father of my children, that he is uh, has a nice life. I have a nice life. Um, it's my children don't have to worry about having us over at the same time, and, and what's going to be said and. You know, if, if somebody's going to get, you know, upset because the other person's there, it's just, uh, it, it's, it's definitely a God thing. Um, as much as I try to to do these principles, um, I my humanness kept getting in the way. And when I was finally able to, like, maybe it was just the season, it was time, but God healed that relationship, as he has done many relationships in my past that have been difficult. So I just kind of wanted to encourage those people out there in um, in bad relationships uh, to uh, continue to do the work. It does it does eventually come around, and it took a lot longer than I would have liked it to. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Colleen M. And Jason K., it's your turn. Please go ahead, Jason. Good morning. This is Jason K., Recovered Compulsive Eater and Bulimic outside of Philadelphia. Um, and this is really talking, they're talking about working with a man and his family. This is how they used to do it back then. Um, and in a couple of paragraphs down, it starts when working with a man and his family. So they really brought the program and tried to incorporate this with the wife and the kids. Um, so they're really telling us that um, they're, they're going to bring this spiritual way of life. It has its benefits to all. Now, we don't necessarily cross those lines. We have new um, fellowships for that in this day and age. But this, this paragraph has some really powerful principles in it, um, which, you know, um, for instance, recovery coming first. He's saying, make sure of, of your recovery first. Make sure that this is found. Um, and before and after, they're bur- um, these paragraphs before and after, they're really burning this idea into our minds. We can recover no matter what. That means if we're separated or divorced, do we have to get back with our wives? Uh, our families to recover? No. They're saying there's not even, you know, you don't have to have any undue haste about this. And that for me is a principle. When I have this undue haste, when I'm moving faster than I should be, I'm usually propelled by fear uh, and self-will. And for me, when I'm searching for God's will and I ask God for God's will, I often get the intuitive thought just to slow down. My impatience, my selfishness usually drives me into moving faster. 
um, giving a timeline. This is my script. And he says, you know, maybe it's not even, um, maybe that the family's not going to be re reassembled. And they say, we don't give a rule here. They're saying that we're, we're, we're searching for the answer. We're giving this time. And we're seeking, in my mind, we're seeking God's will. And they're saying, if it is to be reassembled, the time will become clear. Um, and then, of course, uh, the statement that if it is reassembled, it's going to be on a new plane, a new set of ideas and principles, a new set of attitudes. That's the case for, for me for all of my relationships. Going into recovery, I have a new attitude. I keep asking myself this question, what can I contribute? What can I con con contribute? What can I give? Because the old way didn't work. I used to be a taker. I used to have a script. I wanted things to go my way. So coming into my um, relationships after being recovered, recovered, whether in the home, friendships, professional relationships, they're all taking place on a new basis, a new understanding. Um, and for me, that's a, that's a powerful, powerful um, principle that I think we can take out of this. So this is a very, very cool um, paragraph for me with lots of really interesting ideas um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jason Kay. For those of us who might have come into the meeting a little bit later, we are on page 99. On the second paragraph, if there be divorce or separation. So I'd like to encourage those who haven't shared in the last few days to take this opportunity. Please say your name just once, as it does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Elizabeth D. Sam okay. S. Elizabeth D. Mary C. Jolene D. Hi, this okay. is Raquel from Israel. Anita yeah. J. Okay, thanks. I have my line up. Thank you. Let me just tell you who I have. I have Elizabeth, Sam S., Marie C., Jolene D., Raquel E., and Anita J. Elizabeth, I need the initial of your last name, and please go ahead. Hi, this is Elizabeth D., as in Donald. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Thanks, and thanks for your service. My name is Elizabeth D. I'm a uh, recovered compulsive overeater living in the Boston area. And um, this um, paragraph, uh, I've been in OA for about 30 years, um, and um, <laughs> it's been a long journey, and um, I'm 60 years old now, and I've never been married. Um, so many, there were many years in OA uh, where occasionally uh, before I was um, in Vision for You and uh, doing Vision for You meetings, I would read this paragraph and I would think it wasn't for me or about me. And I know today that is absolutely for me and about me. Um, as I said, I've never been married, but I've been in relationships. I've gotten thin. I have been obese. And when I was thin, of course, I felt that I was, quote, worthy of a relationship. But when I was in those relationships, they were selfish. I realize that now after um, ha a few years of, of rec being recovered and working the steps every day, uh, as, as they're outlined in the big book, 
I realized how selfish my relationships were. Um, I, I, of course, I was uh, using manipulation in order to get what I wanted, so it, it didn't look like I was being selfish, but I actually was being selfish and controlling in my own way. Um, and the relationships always took a nosedive and um, never, never worked out. I have to tell you, I'm, I'm experiencing a miracle today. Um, I have a man in my life, we've been dating now for um, almost two years, and we go out every day running around noontime um, because between my daughter and my beau, uh, those are the only two people I see. So we go out, he and I go out running. And he said to me the other day on our run, we were talking about um, personalities in, in people, and something came up about controlling personalities. And, and, I, and he said, yeah, you're not a controlling person at all. And I looked at him. I had to stop in my tracks. And I looked at him, really? I'm not a controlling person? And he said, no, I don't find you to be controlling really in any way. And I'm telling you this morning that that is a blooming miracle that my significant other does not see me as a controlling person. And that is directly attributable to working these steps. And I'm in a relationship today that I never in my wildest dreams thought I could have. He's not perfect. I'm not perfect. Our relationship isn't perfect. But it brings me joy, real joy, every single day. And that joy comes from my higher power. The moment I think that I'm making this relationship happen, that's I'm the moment that I get into trouble and um, I begin, begin to objectify him. I'm very grateful for this paragraph and what I have learned about relationships in this program and working these steps, and I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth D. Sam S., it's your turn, followed by Marie C. Please go ahead, Sam. Good morning. Thank you so much. Um, hi, everybody. It's Sam S., recovering compulsive overeater in Bristol, Rhode Island. Um, I kind of took a separate uh, look uh, or a different point of view for this one this morning. I was actually thinking about our relationships as far as friendships. Um, you know, I think that some people are in our lives for a reason, and sometimes it's just for a season. I've heard that before. Um, and I remember when I had um, first gotten into program, uh, I had this friendship with this girl. She was just so lovely and, you know, magnetic, and we were just inseparable. Um, you know, we, we couldn't talk about one without the other. And things just started to change, and we just started drifting apart. And I remember like a few months later, I I just kept trying to force a reunion because I thought, you know, this person is like a really important special. And and our last um, last time that we saw each other, it was so painful, so uncomfortable. And it was really me trying to rescue the memory of what it was like. And I really knew after that um, encounter that like we were that we had done, our season had passed. And, um, and that happens a lot for me where, you know, things will come and go and, and I feel so guilty. And, and then I, I want, and I know that that's not God's will. You know, I, I really don't feel like God put shame or guilt into me. Like that never promotes growth or change. 
and I'm, I'm having that happen where another friend is addressing me. And, you know, since I've been calling into the vision meetings in the morning, um, that takes an hour away from outreach to people. Um, and a friend of mine just said, like, you know, do you think our friendship has changed? And my initial, like, knee-jerk reaction was like, okay, how do I, how do I figure out how to cut some meetings and, and do that? So no way, no way, because I don't think God's will for me is to be out of program. This is what makes me a better person. So I need to keep working my program. And if it's supposed to come and we're supposed to get closer again, I can learn from that previous encounter that, you know, if I'm going to try to force it, it's really not going to be organic. And, um, and I need to, like the last couple of paragraphs, I need to rely, depend and trust upon my higher power. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen if we're supposed to be in that season. But I know I have evidence and proof of what happens when I try to like gain back the memories. Um, and I can be grateful and, you know, for my old friend, I can pray for her. And if I, if I see a picture of her, you know, I can smile and think back to the good times and not just the last really scary encounter. Um, so I can use this for all relationships and, and really just continue the program principles and, and just know that if it's supposed to be, um, that, my higher power will really give me a message and make it clear and he'll pave a way. You know, I don't have to bulldoze my way through. He'll pave a way and it will be clear. So just really appreciate that paragraph and I'm really appreciative to be on the line and um, to not have done my knee jerk reaction of don't call in this morning so that I can call so-and-so like that. Oh my God, <laughs> I need this. <laughs> so thank you so much. With that, I pass. Thank you, Sam S. Marie C., please go ahead, followed by Jolene B. Hi, my name is Mary C. from Ireland, and good morning to everyone. And um, such a lovely paragraph, and I was looking at it um, as well about, you know, about relationships in my life, like um, my work relationships and family and friends, and, you know, hoping that because I'm in because I'm recovered, that that those people will see a, a big change in me and that I would hope, like the words are saying here, a new attitude and spirit all around. And it, it is such a miracle that I am different in work, that I'm adding to my workplace rather than taking away and that people don't have to um, go around on tippy toes anymore around me and that I can add and uh, be of service to people in work. And I learn a lot of people, a lot from people in work because some people in work trigger me. So I'm able to look and do my step tens and see where I am at fault and learn from that. So when I look back maybe a couple of years ago about how I was in work and how I am now, it is a transformation. And it is a miracle, and I'm so grateful for that because I look back at different jobs and I see where I was at fault throughout them all. Um, and also in my family, you know, am I adding to my family? And uh, yesterday I had a, two calls from my daughter and there's a lot happening in her workplace and she just needed me to listen. And I could find myself getting irritated. And, um, you know, my sponsor would often say to me, can you just sit in the uncomfortableness? Can you just sit in that place of discomfort? And I just did, as she was talking, I just sat, felt the discomfort and just said to God, God, please help me with this. Because, you know, for years, my daughter had to 
go around on her tippy toes around me because I uh, I was very hard to be live with. So, you know, I, I, as she was talking to me, I knew I had to make dinner to bring out to my dad. And I have perfectionism issues around bringing out dinner to my dad because I wanted to be perfect like my sisters. So I could feel that stress there. So but thankfully, I, I didn't do any damage. I didn't show my irritation with her. I didn't try to get her off the phone. I just sat with it. And I was transformed in that space and I could listen and be of service to my daughter. And when the call was finished, I could turn around and be of service to my dad and make him a nice dinner to bring out to him. Uh, and uh, I'm just very grateful for uh, the fellowship and for the meetings and the fact that, you know, I have a new attitude and a new spirit with the people in my life. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Mary C. Jolene D, it's your turn, followed by Raquel E. Please go ahead, Jolene. Good morning, everyone from upstate New York. This is Jolene D, recovering bulimic and overeater. I normally don't speak. I'm a listener, but this paragraph kind of punched me in the head. Um, Still recovering, and so far in the program of my experience, I can see the value this brings to more than just the overeating piece, and the more I dig into the book and read the book, I realize that I'm separated, and I have been for two years, and I have recently thought there's no way I could do this, I believe, if I were still in that relationship, not because my husband is responsible for me, of course he isn't, but if I wanted something, he would go get it. And even after I would say to him, you know, uh, if I ask you, please don't, it's, it's my food problem, please don't. At that time, that's what I called it. If I ask for it, please don't get it. And he didn't know how to say no to me. So he would go get it all the time, all the time. And then I would get mad at him for not helping me. And I I never would have understood any of that if we were still together, because I don't know that I would have taken the steps to start listening to meetings, to start um, stepping into program and really embracing everything. And I've heard so many good things today and everything is so timely, isn't it? It's divine and timely. And I think it was Sam who said she was trying with her friend to rescue the memory of what it is like. And that's what I've been trying to do with my husband. We know we're getting divorced. It's a tumultuous, crazy time. And many times I feel very alone and I feel like he's the only person I can reach out to and grab other than my daughter for companionship and for comfort. And he's never been able to get it. And not because he's a bad guy. He's probably one of the nicest people you'll ever, ever know. It's just the story of, you know, we don't fit, we don't match. And he's always actually been supportive of my food issues and even chaired, um, was the board of directors for uh, the National Eating Disorders Association walk that we organized, you know, so he understood that I had a problem, but I don't think he, like me, understood it was this mental obsession, like I do now. So now that I have this space, and that I'm living by myself and with my daughter, and I've made this commitment, I look back and I really don't think it could have been done. I think that separation needed to happen for a million reasons, and this being one of them, um, I am starting to see that you know this is something you really can't explain to people who are completely outside of it, and nor do you need to. You know, I think as you mature into it and you grow into it and you have a lot of years behind you, maybe that conversation changes. 
but for baby me still in the program and growing and learning, um, I'm observing and I'm absorbing. And, you know, reading this paragraph and hearing it this morning, it's so true. And who knows Mine, what will please. happen. I'm just grateful to be here. Thank you so much, everyone. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jolene D. Raquel E., it's your turn, followed by Anita J. Please go ahead, Raquel. Hello, my dear friends, family there, and the moderator. Thank you for your service. Who is the moderator? I didn't get the name. Lynn S. Lynn, Lynn. Wow, thank you so much. So It's so soothing to hear your voice. Um, I first of all have to claim my seat that I'm in a sitting in a whole different place. I am now in this assisted living uh, place, and God has done such miracle for, a miracle for me. What I couldn't do for myself, He did. I've been debating this for three years, and why did I have to like make the decision on March 3rd before this whole crazy thing broke out? I feel so protected here. I, I, I was alone, you know, and with the way it's going, I feel so, so protected here that there's a friend from New York from our program who calls me, who tries to brief me about how horrible the situation is in Israel, as though it's not that way in Brooklyn. But, you know, I, I can't get into the whole negativity. Just my heart is full of gratitude that much for this. Now, about what we're talking about, it's really a, a lifetime commitment, not only in in um, uh, relationships as husband and wife, but I can see now that I'm in a new little community. You know what are the powers here? You know, and some people really are domineering and negative, and we have all kinds. Now they canceled a lot of the activities that we had, but I didn't time myself. So please, you help me, Lynn. Uh, I'd appreciate. So um, there are people here who really make it difficult, and I have to use all the skills that that God tried to teach me in two relationships that that failed. That uh, that how things can be approached, um, and I I need to pray a lot because uh, I did have something with somebody here that uh, I needed to assert myself, and I don't like it. I don't like it, but it's, you know, it's not my job. Uh, I think there are a lot of people here who um, um, who have not had the privilege of being in a program like us to learn that change is possible and that if you desire it bad enough, in other words, you are smacked hard enough by the disease. What, what it means to be a grateful compulsive overeater, I experience it now even more because I have to use everything in me to just observe, be quiet, be helpful. People contribute of their talents in different ways here, some in music, some in, I, I, had, I gave already one uh, workshop, uh, literature, uh, analyzing a poem, because Time, I can please, Raquel. Yeah, yes, I'm wrapping up. They cannot bring in people from the outside because of the, the, the corona. So uh, I have a, another challenge, and any every little piece here helps me. It's not just the good couples; it's life in general that is good instruction for. Thank you so much for being there for me. I pass. 
Thank you, Raquel. Anita J., it's your turn. Please go ahead, Anita. Thank you so much, Lynn. It is so good to um, reach out like this today. Um, I am Anita J., and I'm in Framingham, Massachusetts. It's ironic that Raquel (laughs) talked about her community because I thought, so what is this speaking to me about today now that I am in an independent living community? I do know that with my husband of 56 and three-quarter years, he saw the new Anita for three and one-half years. And I just have to say I'm grateful that he had the chance. He's the one who spotted it even before I did. And they say that sometimes. Others say it before you do. He kept telling people, she's changed. You've changed. But for today, in this living situation, I finally got the clarity here. What what this, um, what I've been trying to do in this community, and I've been trying to suit, suit and refit this community into my needs. This really shows up in their kitchen. Uh, since this virus, there's been a limited menu. Um, I've been trying to teach them the difference between a vegetable and a carb. And, um, you know, it's ridiculous. I am laughing because I have have some kind of distance now. I've been praying about it. Um, And it's seeing now, you're not going to fit that entire community to, to adhere to what you feel. Everyone who's deaf should bloody well get a hearing aid and wear two, not one. Listen to me. I did not announce that, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's funny. I cannot laugh at myself. I don't know if they think I'm funny, but um, the point is, what could I, I am seeing it now, and I know now that's part of my prayer for the, for the beginning of every day. Uh, how can I be of service here? How can I represent my God and my principles, his principles? They're they're God's principles. It's right there in our big book. There they are. And um, so that's my point. I'm very grateful to be here and seeing this. And and I hope daily now I'll begin to see it as in my nightly review where I was helpful, where I was good where I kept my mouth shut. Hi, <laughs> And thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Anita J. We have time for two two-minute shares. If anybody would like that time. Laura okay. M. Lauren okay, A. Okay, and one more. Perfect. Okay, uh-huh. I have Laura M. and Lauren A. Please go ahead, Laura. Thank you, Lynn, and thank you, the whole team, for your service today. I so appreciate the stability of this meeting. Um, this paragraph particularly, oh, and I'm uh, 
from Southwest Missouri. Thank you. Um, this this paragraph particularly, to me, the underlying message that's it's kind of taken for granted is the change that occurs. You know, it says, uh, you know, be sure of his recovery and understand this new way of life. So the assumption there is that this, these words are talking about somebody who has been through the entire process and has reached this stage of recovery. And what I have experienced is that does is a change of life. It is not simply a change of eating and a change of food behaviors, but it has it changes my whole life. We talk about this being a, a spiritual program. So there's so much of my life that has changed that in some ways, um, in many ways, I'm a very, very different person than I was before program. And so I have to give myself grace and I have to give others grace um, to understand that I am bringing a whole new person to relationships and some of those relationships might fit better. Some of them might not fit at all, but they're all going to have a period of adjustment. And I have to be careful not to expect people to be so excited about my change and to welcome everything with open arms um, Someone mentioned something earlier about, you know, being selfish. And one thing that I've discovered is, you know, I've learned a whole new definition of selfish versus self-care, and it's really flipped. You know, in the past, I've lived under... Thank you. Um, So, yeah, everything's changed, and grace, that's that's the main word for me. It's grace to accept each other in this change. I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Laura M. And Lauren A.? You've got a two-minute share. Please go ahead. Thank you. This is Lauren A. Recovered in Minnesota. It's great to be on the line. Um, when I first looked at this paragraph, I thought, oh, this doesn't have much to do with me. But the, as I listen to the shares, it, it has a lot to do with me. Um, I like that I think it was Jason K. really emphasized the uh, phrase undue haste. Boy, if there had been no undue haste in my the history of my life, I've, I would have... Um, elim- I would have... Um, had a, a lot, made a lot less mistakes in my life because undue haste is something I'm real good at. And I've told my stepdaughters, you know, if you're going to make a decision, um, if you feel like, oh, I got to do this right now or I'm going to die or, it's, you know, the world's going to end, it's probably not a good decision. But if you calmly say, yeah, this feels good, this is the right thing to do, then, then that's probably a good one. And I've given that advice and I don't always take it. Um, and then I like the part about uh, let the alcoholic continue his program day by day. Boy, why don't we apply that to everything in our lives? You know, there's a lot of stuff going on that's that's upsetting. Um, you know, I, I have financial concerns right now with this uh, virus going on. But continue my program day by day can't hurt, might help. Um, so I'm just really grateful that, that I am in recovery and that Vision for You is here for me every day. I learn so much from this from this line. People, you know, a lot of times I'll think, well, this paragraph, this is this is nothing I want to hear about. But then I start listening to it, and it's awesome. Uh, and I do have a really good relationship with my husband now and, and with other people in my life, you know. Um, and and I'm much better at, at listening and uh, 
and seeing my part. Um, I laughed when another person talked about um, her partner didn't think she was controlling. I don't think my husband would come up with that line. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm just working on improving and, and getting better at being in relationship with him and everyone else. I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Laura Nay. And thank you to everyone shared and to our wonderful Wednesday workforce. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Wednesday, March the 25th, the 7 a.m. meeting is 14310. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Barbara E. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Are you there, Barbara? Okay, good morning, Leon B. Leon B. Good, recovered. Uh, oh, good morning, Thank everyone. You. Okay, Barbara, are you there? I am there. My machine. Okay, please go on. ahead. Thank you. Thank you, and thank you, Leon. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. That obvi- but obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.